I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and you are listening to a mini podcast on the Big Squid Network. Uh, Today I'm going to be reviewing the new Spider-Man movie and the Hawkeye series, but I just need to tell you, warning, lots of spoilers. Lots of spoilers and if you haven't seen either or uh, if you just don't care, you'll be fine. But just giving you a heads up, we are about to go into a spoiler field valley Let's get into Big Squid. since I got bit by that spider. I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man, we started getting some visitors. every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. 
flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. You're struggling to have everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. Hello, and welcome to this little mini podcast while we are in a very strange time of life. Isn't it very strange? So, I'm recording this in Adelaide in my mum's kitchen. <laughs> big, big tech stuff going on right here in Adelaide. Uh, so today I'm going to give you some reviews of Spider-Man No Way Home and then we will have a review of the Hawkeye series. And I thought we'll start with Spider-Man and this review is going to come to you in two parts. The first will be my initial reactions to the movie and then the second part will be my thoughts after seeing the film a second time. I initially saw the movie on the first day it dropped and then I saw it again here in Adelaide because my friend Craig doesn't get many opportunities to go to the cinema and I suggested we do a double movie day when he was free. We had The Matrix Resurrections, which was already on the list, and then we decided we'd squeeze in Spidey earlier. I'll save my Matrix second time around thoughts for when Ben has seen the film again, FYI, I think it is really funny, and most criticisms of the film leave this out. If you don't find it funny, I get that, that's fair enough, but it is interesting to see these reviews that seem to be having a crack and leaving out the fact that it has a sense of humour. It's funny, and uh, for me, the after credits scene was the key for unlocking the film for me (laughs) to sit around for that last bit, and it's like, motherfucker. Anyway, I thought... That was a very funny film. We'll talk about that another time. But let's get into the Spider-Man review. And here's what I wrote for the first watch. The consensus is out. And Spider-Man No Way Home is a bona fide smash hit. John Wenzel for the Denver Post stated that the new film earns its joy and sorrow with thematic substance. The breathless action often contrasted with quiet reflection and grief. Louise Griffin for Metro.co.uk stated that it's pulled together in a way that will make you fall in love with Spider-Man all over again. Alice Gilstorf said for Tilt Magazine that the film is a deeply profound and profoundly hilarious experience from start to finish, one that words will never do justice. 
My friends have loved it. My friends' kids have loved it. Everyone in the cinema I was in loved it. So why am I feeling indifferent to this film? I think Tom Holland makes a great Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Zendaya as MJ is great. And Jacob Batalon is an excellent offsider. The performances across the board are fun. And the movie is pretty out there. It's a pretty full-on experience when you consider it was probably only a few years ago. If you attempted to discuss the concept of the multiverse with most people, they would have thought you were talking about a weekly lotto ticket or a card that lets you catch multiple types of public transport all over Australia. I saw this film with Alexi Toliopoulos and just as the lights disappeared, I leant over to him and said, I just want this movie to be bonkers, which it technically is. Yet, For me, it is bonkers in such a conventional way. It is bonkers by committee. This movie could have been directed by anyone as it looks like all other Marvel movies. There's no flair to this film. It is standard shot after standard shot. I would guess if we looked at the script, it would look perfect for a movie. We need something to happen at the 22 minute mark. Right, let's give them Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. Great. Okay, we haven't had anything major happen for 17 minutes. What can we do now? I know, Doc Ock appears. Fantastic. Put it in. Right, I have this big emotional moment that I want to happen with Andrew Garfield. I know, let's put a conversation here that sets up that moment and everyone will be overwhelmed with emotion. Yes, let's do it. The script has two writers who have worked on the Spider-Man trilogy, Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Lego Batman movie, and they quite clearly know what they're doing, but their slick approach to this film is what leaves me cold. I hate to downplay someone's hard work, but this feels like an algorithm to me, a set of code that is placed in a certain order to produce a specific reaction, and in the end, I just didn't feel anything. I sat in the cinema watching Peter and MJ comically try to share one kiss and immediately knew that would be our final scene of them together. From the moment we had Garfield talk about not being able to save Gwen, I knew he was going to save MJ at some point and his Spider-Man would be finally redeemed after his movies were cancelled. I knew there was only one way out of this movie that made any sense, so I waited for a long time to have Doctor Strange pull a trick out of his hat that would not only erase the damage done by Peter Parker, but would also put all the toys back in the box so Marvel and Sony could get Spider-Man back to basics. A poor kid doing his best to make ends meet while his alter ego is constantly attacked even when he's trying to help people. Even the ongoing gag between Stephen Strange and Peter had an obvious landing point. After an entire movie of them bouncing back and forth on whether it is okay to call Doctor Strange Stephen, you just knew at a moment of poignancy it would be okay to call him by his first name and then to have that moment undone by a Tony Stark-esque quip. I found nothing about this movie to be surprising. I found the special effects to be standard. I found the overall film to look flat and ugly. And the after credit scenes are there to make Sony happy with a superfluous Tom Hardy slash Venom appearance. And then we make Disney happy with a trailer for the Doctor Strange movie. That's bizarre. Who has a five-course meal and then hopes to be served an entree at the very end? In fact, the only thing I liked about the Doctor Strange after credit scene is that it helped set up the joke after credit scene in The Matrix Resurrections. Now, I'd much rather something like The Matrix that doesn't always hit the mark but isn't afraid to take some wild swings with the story, but even the wild swings of Spidey swinging are very much by the numbers and in the end I was just left wanting more. 
Now, let me remind you, I know I am in the minority here. I know that you probably enjoyed it. I am not trying to zag while everyone zigs. I also don't want this to be seen as me inviting people to just shit on Marvel movies. I honestly think the one-two punch of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame is one of the most audacious moments in recent blockbuster history. I collected Avengers comics when I was 11 years old. I even have my name published in the letters page of one issue. I won't tell you which one it is. You can go and find it yourself. If for some reason you are bored and you have a lot of spare time on your hands. The Avengers were my team and Marvel were my people. I want to love these films, but not unlike the world of mainstream comics now, there's nothing new being added to the art form or to the stories and I'm just bored. Maybe I'm aging out. If you want to tell me these movies aren't for me anymore, then I'm willing to say that you are probably right. Yet I enjoyed Shang-Chi this year for a few reasons, and one of those was that the sense of humour and story approach was a little bit different. It did have a slightly different style. It did have a slightly different flavour. I wasn't a big fan of Eternals, but I did appreciate that Chloe Zhao tried something new, and for me, it didn't lack ambition. This film just somehow felt safe, and even when it decided to go bonkers, it was still looking at us with a big smile saying, how crazy are we? As soon as someone says they're crazy, you know what they're not? Crazy. Maybe I'm an idiot for wanting anything else from one of these types of movies. We live in a world where reviews state the new Matrix movie is just another IP being dusted off, even though the movie hilariously sends up that notion all the way through the film and becomes something quietly subversive in its own right. People complained that Tenet was too complicated, that after 20 minutes they didn't know what was going on, so they stopped. And why does Christopher Nolan think he's so smart making movies that are hard to understand? They're not hard, you just have to pay attention. And he's not shoving a PhD in your face, he's just trying to entertain you with something you may not have seen on the big screen before. Why are you taking offence to that? I had a friend tell me they couldn't bear to see the new Paul Thomas Anderson film Licorice Pizza because Alana Himes' eyes are too close together. Another friend at the table concurred and added that the lead boy had bad teeth. Yet I didn't think any of those things. To me, they just look normal, like people I might know. How did that become a bad thing to deal with? I had another friend tell me that after they loved Spider-Man that they hate Wes Anderson movies because they all look the same and sound the same and he's just making whimsical films that don't have anything to say. A man that loves every Marvel movie thinks Wes Anderson films all look the same. I would choke on the irony, but I don't want anyone to think that I was having a whimsical moment to prove a point. I know I'm banging on as if I hated the film, which I didn't. I was genuinely excited to see Cox as Matt Murdock. He's great as Matt, and that first season of Daredevil in particular is one of the best Marvel shows or movies I've watched. So getting to see Charlie Cox get another chance was genuinely thrilling. Although they missed an opportunity to have him help out in the end and have the Spider-Man ask, which Spidey are you? All the villains' cameos were fun, especially Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus. It was a thrill to see Tobey Maguire back, and I felt Andrew Garfield actually gave the best performance of the film. I loved Marissa Tomei's Aunt May, and even though I would have rather not have killed her off, it was a terrific performance by her. I think that's why I'm ultimately unimpressed with this film. In the end, it was fine. Just fine. And it could have been something more. The cartoon Into the Spider-Verse shows you how audacious this film could have been. That pretty much takes a very similar concept and was full of flair and brilliant artistic choices. It took an out there concept and made it a mainstream talking point. I had a lot of fun in that film as I saw things I couldn't believe were happening on the big screen. And that's what I wanted from this film. 
If you enjoyed the movie, then that's great. If you took your kids and they loved it, that's awesome too. I'm not saying that you're wrong for having a different opinion to me on this one. I guess I'm just emotionally fatigued with these movies, these blockbusters that are made by committee and leave no room for someone to have a slightly set of strange eyes or weird teeth. Too many Marvel movies and TV shows feel like long trailers for what is coming next. But at some point... I want to arrive at that place. I want to arrive at a destination. It can't all be about what is just beyond the horizon. I want to sit down with all of you. I want to be present about what is happening now and leave tomorrow for another day. So there you have it. (laughs) My initial reaction to the film. Yet... Looking back on that experience, I think I had the cynical pants on. Just because I was picking out story beat after story beat isn't because it was poorly made. It is because I am steeped in this history. I am fluent in the language of comic book storytelling. It isn't just because I've read thousands of comics in my life. It is also because I love to find out how things are made, how things fit together. It is easy to criticise for the sake of criticism. If you look out at the universe that exists online, it is filled with four-star reviews that painstakingly tell you everything that is wrong with a movie. Why is that the world we live in? I love the Ziggy Stardust album, but don't have much love for the one cover on the album, It Ain't Easy. It's fine, but knowing Bowie's songs from back then, like Velvet Goldmine or Holy Holy, why didn't he put those songs in that place? Yet when I talk about that album, I don't lead with, oh, Ziggy Stardust, geez, It Ain't Easy is a misstep, isn't it? No. No, I love the album. And if you want to dig into it, I'll say, ah, it's not one of my favourites. But why focus on that? And when I say that, why was I focusing on the things that I was having issues with in the film when there were heaps of other parts that I really enjoyed? Criticism is important, but when something gets most things right, why not focus on those parts? To be honest, I was a bit off on that day. I was tired, I was annoyed at some personal shit going on in my life. Not important stuff, just annoying. I went in distracted and I allowed my exhaustion of Marvel quips to annoy me. As soon as the Doctor Strange call me Stephen lines went down, I knew that he was going to call back to that later. This is one of my issues with stand-up now. Just because nothing surprises you and maybe you're slightly bored with it as an art form, it doesn't mean it's not relevant. It doesn't mean it's still not good. I think there's one of two things that you can do in this situation. Well, there's probably three. You can either don't go, you're done. It's over. It's all over and if you can't enjoy these things, move on. Or you can go and be a shithead and just go, ugh, that's fucked, seen that before, ugh, that's disappointing. Or you can go back and you can watch it and you can accept it for what it is. And once again, it doesn't mean you can't be critical and that you shouldn't be critical, but why? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
lean into it when it does so much that is so good. I can look back on that earlier review and I can honestly say I still agree with it in in thought. But this time around, when I re-watched the film, I focused on what was great about the movie. Once again, the performances were fantastic, with Garfield's saving of MJ being a particular highlight. The visuals for a mainstream movie were fun and exhilarating. Yes, to me, they were by the numbers. But for a kid who's never seen anything like that before, wow. Like, what is happening, right? Yes, I can sit there and I can see all the corporate synergy between Marvel and Sony throughout the film, but the film does do a lot of heavy lifting and ticks as boxes for both camps. If the Sony universe now has a Spider-Man, why not make it Andrew Garfield's version? Would I like to check in on Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst's world? Yes, I would. When Aunt May died and gave the great, uh, great with great power comes great responsibility line, the little girl next to me in the cinema began crying. And you know what it did? It reminded me of when I was her age watching the original Superman crying when a young Clark Kent said goodbye to his mum, Ma Kent. And I remembered to watch this film through the eyes that it is intended, the eyes of a child. Look, I saw many movies this year and there were films that I loved much more than Spider-Man. The Power of the Dog, Licorice Pizza, The French Dispatch, Belfast and Dune were all films that were, off the top of my head, my five favourites for the year. Yet if I apply my Doctor Who fandom to Spider-Man that these are family movies with big ideas that allow parents and kids to talk about complicated theories and allow children to access deep emotions in the safe space of a story, then this is a worthy addition to that long lineage of storytelling. It is fascinating, now that I look back on it, how a mood can affect you, how the trickle-down effect of your day can skew your view of art and entertainment. I'm glad I went back to see the film. You can even hear it in the earlier review, my confusion, something chewing away at my subconscious, trying to remind me that I had experienced the film incorrectly. Heck, I probably was a little bit more negative about it because everyone was raving about it so much. That's a dumb thing to experience. That's a dumb thing to do. If anything, it has reset me. The movie has changed how I'm going to think about 2022. Uh, going and seeing it again has completely changed how I intend to approach the upcoming year. For me, this was a lesson. Seeing it the first time, seeing it the second time, I feel like it was just a reminder of who I want to be and where I want to go. You never know where you might find inspiration in your life. All you have to do is be open to experiences and see what takes root. To paraphrase Toby Maguire's Peter Parker, you might just end up being amazing. This is the first Christmas we've had together in years. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorized the city's underworld is back. The past is caught up with me. Should we be worried? No, no, it's nothing. I'll be home for Christmas. I promise. When I wore this suit, I made a whole lot of enemies. 
Hawkeye. Who the hell are you? Some people have actually called me the world's greatest archer. Are you one of those people? It's the most wonderful. Hey, babe, I should be back in a day or two. Hang on a second. With the kids jingle bell, Things have gotten more complicated. Now let's talk about one of my favourite Marvel productions for the year. Hawkeye has always, always been one of my favourite Marvel characters and especially one of my favourite members of the Avengers. But that is in the comics, not the movies. In the comics, Hawkeye is much more interesting. He has a chip on his shoulder. He has issues with authority. He is bombastic yet vulnerable. He talks a big game, but he's doing his best to exist alongside a World War II super soldier, an armored tech genius, and a Norse god. He's funny and dependable. He comes from nothing and often needs a job to make ends meet. You may have heard me talk about this previously, but I once had lunch with Joss Whedon uh, around the time when he was writing the first Avengers movie. I told him how much I love Clint and suggested he must be the Han Solo of the team. But Whedon said, no, that's Tony Stark. Two thoughts went through my head. When did multi-billionaire characters get infused with the anti-authority spirit? That's weird, isn't it? Like, have you ever really thought about that? That's like Jeff Bezos leading us in a chorus of instant karma. We're all joining in and then suddenly you think, uh, this doesn't make sense. Secondly, I was immediately worried about Hawkeye. If he's not a Han Solo type character, what is he? And then after seeing the Avengers, we learned what he is. A guy with a bow and arrow. That's it. (laughs) Sure, we eventually learn more about the character. He's best friends with Natasha. He has a family. When he gets depressed, he becomes a ninja that kills people. Who hasn't done that? Yet apart from that, who is Clint? When his series was introduced, it came with a collective shrug from everyone I know. Why would I give a shit about a Hawkeye series when we have WandaVision, Loki, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, etc.? Even I didn't really care. Then I saw the first trailer, and I have to say I liked it a lot. I also saw that it was inspired by the brilliant Hawkeye comic series written by Matt Fraction and illustrated by David Aha. I'm also a fan of Hayley Steinfeld, so I definitely had my interest piqued. And I'm so glad I did give it a go because this is a top three Marvel production for me in 2021. While it hasn't been perfect, it has ticked a lot of boxes for me. And what I look for in a story, like for starters, Clint is finally feeling three-dimensional, giving Renner something to do. The look on his face while he sits through the cheesy Rogers the Musical was fantastic. Uh, Between his embarrassment at the show, the fury that they included Ant-Man when he wasn't in that original Battle of Manhattan. Like, who hasn't been in one of those situations where someone starts adding someone to a story and you're like, why are you giving them all the credit? They weren't there. Uh, And also, uh, Clint has PTSD with seeing someone portray his friend Natasha, who was uh, 
it, like that whole scene is funny and moving. It's great. His desire to be with his family, a family that at the end of Infinity War ceased to exist and only returned to him after a long, violent five years, makes a lot of sense. That he would see someone running around in his Ronin outfit and knows he has a responsibility to deal with it tells us so much more about Hawkeye's character than we knew in the past. Uh, Kate's secret origin is fun too We're introduced to her Hawkeye moment And why she became a fan This isn't a hero who was bitten by a radioactive spider Or was experimented on by the US Army This is a young person who is inspired to do her best To excel in everything she does And has an idealism that comes with youth and inexperience And you know what? Nice to see that it's not cynical Isn't it that uh, just a nice change of pace. Kate is a fun hero who is easy to root for and Steinfeld is a gun in the role. Watching Hawkeye is like watching a Christmas season of Alias and when I say this feels like a fun free-to-air television show from the early years of the century, that isn't a backhanded compliment but a celebration of the style of the show. Yet what this series does better than anyone is deals with consequences in a human way. Often too much of what happens in Marvel productions is that the enemy and the situation is so big, nobody really talks about what happens next. This is a world that was just like ours, and then suddenly there were aliens, flying gods, giants attempting to escape the Earth's core, and heroes who are talking raccoons and monosyllabic trees. Yet the world just kind of keeps on going on. Heck, even the fact that the world had half its population disappear for five years has barely been mentioned in the films. Spider-Man was much more worried about people finding out his identity than dealing with a lot of young people in high school who, at one point, all ceased to exist. Like, imagine that. They ceased to exist and then existed again. People freak out when someone writes something nasty on social media. What is the world like that had half the population disappear and then reappear five years later? Apart from a moment with Monica in WandaVision, we haven't truly dealt with this existential drama. In Hawkeye, we are dealing with the ramifications. Clint losing his family, losing his marbles, regaining both family and marbles. That's great, but he did kill a lot of people, and that's a fact. Does he deserve happiness? Does he deserve to be called a hero? This is a valid question. One of my favourite scenes is when he shares this with Kate and she makes excuses for him. It is not only beautifully acted, it is exactly what someone would do for the person they idolise. We have a new character in Maya looking for revenge on whoever this Ronan might be and we can see how this might be blinding her to the people she is surrounded by. The scene where Clint explains that they're both weapons who often get turned against the wrong people took a we're not so different you and me cliche and spun it on its head. Eleanor Bishop has been a compelling character and even though I suspected there must be something extra going on since the brilliant Vera Farmiger is playing her, the slow reveal has been fun. We see that Clint's wife is more than just a woman waiting for her man to come home. She knows her husband is haunted and has to settle some old scores. And then through their interaction, we get a glimpse that there is more to Laura than we realise as she calmly slips into German so her kids can't understand their conversation. Turns out she was once an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Maybe she was Mockingbird. This is great. All great stuff. Each episode... Uh, had really fun moments. The car scene with Kate firing arrows that take her by surprise was an absolute treat. The reveal of Eleanor's true nature, along with Vincent D'Onofrio back as the kingpin, had me clapping. Ah, oh, 
now that we've reduced Spider-Man to a street-level character again, who doesn't want to see a Daredevil, Hawkeye's, Spider-Man, Echo team up to take on the Kingpin and his cronies? I'm all in. Give me something like the Untouchables. But with superheroes, that's what I want to see. I love seeing Clint having to ice himself down after a day of being a superhero. A nice reminder that apart from his skill with a bow and arrow and his fighting skills, he's just a regular guy in a world of regular people. I love Tony Dalton, who was hiding in plain sight as the comic character, The Swordsman. Great performance by Tony. It's a hilarious performance. Always kind of hinting at something, but you never quite knew what it was. The highlight, though, was Florence Pugh as Yelena, the new Black Widow. I was already enjoying the show, but she elevated it to a whole new level. The one-on-one scene with her and Steinfeld was just fantastic. Both characters wanted more than one thing. Yelena wants Clint, wants Kate to understand her position, and also wants her to try the mac and cheese she's cooked. Kate wants to protect Clint, wants to hide her fear of this master assassin, and also protect herself while trying to understand what is happening in the moment. It is a brilliant scene, and watching these two young actors go for it was thrilling. And also what was fantastic was seeing what happened to Yelena with the snap. This is what I mean about my disappointment in some of the other Marvel movies and TV shows that have come afterwards. They haven't really shown the the, the mental uh, the toll that this would have taken on anyone. Everything we saw in other kind of movies was by the numbers. It's just kind of mentioned, you know, and it's... Uh, it's just kind of frustrating, isn't it? But seeing Yelena in the middle of an adventure and having her surroundings suddenly change, her confusion as she walks out to talk, discover that five years has disappeared, was exactly what I've been craving to see in a Marvel post-snap universe. This is such a well-thought-through show, even down to the Thanos was right graffiti. You know that's going to happen in that universe. There's going to be some people who think it's funny to write that. There's going to be some people who actually believe that. I remember after September 11, having some uh, women that I know, one in particular, tell me that they thought that, you know, some of those guys were hot. And you go, I know what you're doing. You're trying to freak us out. You're, You're trying to, you know you know, buck the trend. Oh, I know we're all freaked out, but I think Osama's hot. And you go, I know what you're doing here. You're just trying to press some buttons. And of course, someone would be trying to press buttons with Thanos comments like that. That's good world building. What I loved most about the series was it knew what the stakes were and it didn't waver and it fleshed out the world accordingly. As with all Marvel productions, it didn't feel quite like an ending, but more of a setup. Did it really answer all the questions that it posed? Not quite, but it set up a new Hawkeye. It reinvigorated an old Hawkeye. It helped set up a low-level Marvel universe, one that could happily include our repositioned Spider-Man closer to the original friendly neighborhood street guy we all love. I loved this flavor of storytelling. It was exactly what I needed in the Marvel universe after I experienced a magical hero nearly destroying the world, a flying dragon that could destroy the world, a giant celestial that could destroy the world, a time traveler that could destroy the world. Sometimes I don't need the world destroyed. Sometimes I just want to see a character-driven tale built around some stakes that could have an effect on just the characters involved. Hawkeye was a breath of fresh air, a great, fun Christmas show, And I really hope they bring these characters back. I'd love to check in with them and see how they're going. 
you very much for checking in to listen to this mini podcast. Uh, I don't know if you often get reviews that, you know, <laughs> double back and <laughs> recorrect themselves, but uh, there you go. It is uh, only a few more days until 2022, and it feels right that you should have something a little bit jumbled at this point. I'll be back with another mini podcast uh, next week. We'll just keep doing that for a few more weeks just to keep things rolling. Uh, But until then, I hope you have a happy new year. I hope you're safe with family and friends. And uh, I look forward to checking in with you soon. Until then. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.